Hello, dear listener. This is Laura. And though we wrapped season 13 of the podcast, we didn't want to leave your podcast feed empty. So we've decided to re-release some of our favorite episodes from our Inspired to Learn series. Each week this summer, Catherine and I will alternate choosing one of our favorite episodes to replay. If you're a new listener or if you heard the episode when it was first released, we hope the ideas shared will spark your interest and inspire further learning about the topic. For our first Encore episode, we're re-releasing our shared conversation about Brene Brown's book, Atlas of the Heart. This episode has been one of our most popular downloads and it aired not too long after the release of her Atlas of the Heart book and Brene's work continues to inspire us. Laura, I know we constantly comment on the importance of a shared understanding of language, which is one tenet of the book. We also constantly repeat the Brene-isms of clear is kind and the story I'm telling myself. <laughs> We absolutely do. This book has continued to be an inspiration for me, and I know I reference the chapters on connection, compassion, and calm all of the time. In fact, almost every meeting or presentation that I design includes a slide with Brene's aspiration of connection, uh, which is connection is the energy that exists between people when they feel seen, heard, and valued, when they can give and receive without judgment, and when they derive sustenance and strength from the relationship. It's a good one. Enjoy this Encore episode, and we hope you're also inspired by Atlas of the Heart. Welcome to Season 11 of Digital Learning Radio. I'm Catherine, and I'm so happy to be joined by my co-host, Laura. Hello. In this season of the podcast, we're continuing the conversation of sharing what's been inspiring us on our ongoing story of learning. This week is our final episode of the season, and today we're planning to share the spotlight and both discuss a mutual inspiration, as well as reflect on some of the things we've shared over the past several weeks. How is it already the end of the season? <laughs> I feel like I have learned so much and have really been inspired by so many of the things that you've shared. And I love getting to document our ongoing story of learning here on the podcast. Same. <laughs> and speaking of ongoing learning, how's it going with the new learning forward standards? You shared a lot of great things with us last week to introduce these new standards. So any other updates. How's the now what part of your learning going? Well, shout out first to our Learning Forward North Texas community. Hooray. Yeah. The day after we recorded last week's episode, we both attended their meetup and part of the day was digging into the standards. Plus we each received a copy of the new standards in print form. So that was a bonus. Thank you, Gaya Jefferson for the, <laughs> the standards. Absolutely. So my now what plan from last week was to read through the action guide for external providers, which mm -hmm. I did, and a couple of items on the key roles and responsibilities list helped affirm and confirm and solidified ideas I had considered for the summer. And now I'm definitely going to do these. Mm, nice, nice. So... Under the transformational processes frame, the suggestion was to sustain learning with clients, supporting processes for practice, feedback, and follow-up. So that means one and done is not the way to go, which we know, but that's a lot of our summer learning. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
So it's a lot of work, but I will continue sending those follow-up emails this summer. And now I'm going to offer some weekly office hours to help mm. with follow-ups and feedback and further that learning. I love that. And then under the conditions for success, I highlighted prioritize and model learning in the presence of clients. Mm. And so at a different meeting, Laura, you and I just discussed ways to model learning. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. So I'm going to make sure I have somewhere in my intro and ask me about a favorite book or this podcast and links and things. And then I may make my citations a tiny bit larger at the bottom mm -hmm. of my slides and then explicitly point out things like this work was inspired by my recent online class from Tony Vincent or mm -hmm. <laughs> something like that. And then for my longer sessions, I think I'll allow two or three minutes within the session to have participants actually mm. click on something in my further learning section. So Ooh, that's a great idea. So those two things I already try to incorporate in my practices, but reading them in print, I'm like, okay, I'm going to do it, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, so anyway, those are, those are the things I'm working on. Well, I feel like you have really run with this and done a lot. And I will also say it was so fun to get to go to that meetup in which we dug into the standards because uh, we could say, oh, we recorded a podcast about this <laughs> yesterday. And um, I kind of rode your coattails there because uh, I was like, I listened to the learning that Catherine did. So uh, that was a fun connection. We were the advanced learners in that group, I think. It's true. It is true. <laughs> so that was fun. <laughs> I also feel like I have learned so much this season and really from our quick wins, I get mm -hmm. some quick and wins, as you say. So Laura, do you have one last quick win for this season? I do. And beware because my quick win this week is potentially not a cheap one. Oh, good. But <laughs> yesterday I discovered that in addition to my favorite book of late and one that I shared a few episodes ago and often give a shout out to Design for Belonging. Mm -hmm. In addition to that, the Stanford D School has put out three other books with the promise of more to come. Hooray. And so, right? They're <laughs> calling them the D school guides and they each have a similar look. And I really just love the look and feel of that physical book. So I was excited by that. And I'm pretty sure that I'm going to end up getting all of them. Um, <laughs> the others that are out now are called Drawing on Courage. There's one, The Secret Language of Maps, and one called Navigating Ambiguity. And mm. it looks like they're planning for a total of 10 in the next six months. So this is more of a quick win in that it was a quick discovery and it's quick to share, mm. but it will be a longer form of learning to come. But I was so excited to discover this yesterday, and I really did have to restrain myself from texting you about it immediately. <laughs> Um, but, but yeah, exciting, exciting discovery. And so maybe stay tuned for some updates and further learning and inspiration from me from these books to come. Okay. I see more book purchases in our future. Again, a, a quick win, uh, but, but not a cheap one. Okay. Uh, so, sorry. That's okay. I'll, <laughs> I'll join the, the book party there. I love it. I love it. Okay, since this is our last episode of the season, I really started thinking about all the times that we said this relates to a previous episode and conversation. Mm -hmm. And 
even if we had sort of a random topic, we found those connections. And you just mentioned design for belonging. It's true. And, and when I look back at the episodes, I found two main buckets or themes. Mm-hmm. And one was belonging. Mm-hmm. I saw a lot of things with belonging. And then the other was transforming the way we design professional learning. So upping our presentation game. Mm, True, true. Well, I have so enjoyed being in conversation with you this season and finding those connections. And so you're right. Design for belonging, I think has been my big takeaway this season and maybe favorite share, but Mm -hmm. it loops back to the episode talking about the collective mechanisms. Mm -hmm. Uh, Also thinking about being more ready for learner centered than we think with the relationship building piece. Um, I know you talked about burnout mm -hmm. and so there's some connection there. Mm -hmm. Well, that was one of the remedies for one of the facets of burnout. And then that also reminded me of your quick win of the joy generator from NPR. So helping with burnout there. Absolutely. And I think the, one of my first shares was thinking about priority listing, uh, using that as a practice, which is also a a connection to burnout and dealing with burnout. So look at us and our connections. Right, right. Well, and then for the idea of presentation or presentation design, Mm -hmm. several connections to graphics. And Mm -hmm. we talked about the storytelling book with show and tell. We had some Chrome extensions as quick wins Mm -hmm. to help Mm -hmm. with the presentation design. Yeah. How many times did I hear us saying, okay, uh, another lens to think through as we are designing presentations. (laughs) Right. Um, But as the summer presentation season is upon us, I really have thought back to a lot of these wins. I'm also remembering a quick win share that I had for Google Arts and Culture, uh, thinking about having that while you're waiting slide uh, as part of that presentation design as well. Mm -hmm. Well, this was so cool because we really were not trying to make these connections, Mm -hmm. but it seems like we found topics that resonated with us and then did these rabbit trails or hopscotching around. And I loved that we had all of this related learning this season. Absolutely. I think we're really leaning into that, sharing our ongoing story of learning and really getting into finding these connections. And I think talking about connections really is a great transition to what we want to spend a lot of time talking about today. And we have the perfect quote to set it up. So are you ready? Mm-hmm. Okay. So connection is the energy that exists between people when they feel seen, heard, and valued, when they can give and receive without judgment, and when they derive sustenance and strength from the relationship. Oh, I love that quote so much. Right. And I feel, first of all, it describes exactly what we have going in our podcast studio time and our learning time. It really does. So I love that. So let's talk more about where this quote actually comes from. So going back to our original protocol, Laura, tell us the what we're sharing today. Absolutely. So this quote comes from the book, 
Atlas of the Heart. It is the newest book from Brene Brown. And I have been wanting to talk about it and have this conversation for so long because (laughs) I know we're both excited and inspired to share some of our thinking and learning from this work. And I love that we're going to do it here. Mm-hmm. She also released a five-part HBO Max series back in March by the same name, Atlas of the Heart, that covers the content in an entirely new medium. And I know that we've both read a lot of the book, watched a lot of the episodes, and probably listened to a few podcasts mm-hmm. about it as well. So um, I'm ready to talk Atlas of the Heart today. Me too. So we're going to break the script a little bit since we're both so excited to talk about this book and we'll both share some of our reflections and ideas. So starting with you, Laura, tell us your connection to Atlas of the Heart. Sure. Well, I attended a virtual book launch over Zoom when the book first came out, and it was hosted by another shared favorite of ours, Priya Parker, who wrote Art of Gathering. And it was a lovely conversation between Priya and Brene, and it really just got me pumped to read it. And there is also a three-part Sisters Book Club series on Brene's Unlocking Us podcast that had Brene and her two sisters discussing the book. And I listened to that and really enjoyed some of the things that they said. And um, also, like I mentioned, in March, HBO Max released this five-part series uh, with Brene and a studio audience where they delved deeper into some of the emotions and topics that are covered in the book. I watched most of those episodes too. And so uh, I've really kind of covered a variety of mediums in (laughs) thinking about this work. Um, It's an easy book to drop in and out of, to read a section and think about it for a bit. And so really that's what I've been doing over the last few months. A same ditto to all of that above. Um, I did actually finish the HBO series this week. And then our friend Juliana was also reading the book. She was a little bit ahead of me. And since her office is close to mine, she would frequently update me and we would have hallway conversations Mm. about the book. Also, I had to buy the hardcover and Kindle version too, so I can read on the go and easily capture my highlights. I love that. I love that. Okay. So that was our what we're sharing. So Laura, let's go to the so what about the book Atlas of the Heart that's inspiring you to learn. Well, we all know that it doesn't take much to get me inspired to dig into work from Brene Brown. And side note, I was just remembering that I think you and I got to participate together when we had the amazing opportunity to go through Brene Brown's Dare to Lead training Mm -hmm. a year or so ago. So connection back Mm -hmm. to Brene and shared inspiration. Mm -hmm. But anyway, I'm inspired by the physical book Atlas of the Heart itself. It is a big book, so good call on having the Kindle for (laughs) mobility. It can almost serve as a a coffee table book, and it has these full color pages that are sprinkled throughout. They highlight key quotes from the section as beautiful photos, as well as some cartoons and drawings to illustrate concepts. The pages are big. It's, It's a big book. It has really large margins, and just the spacing, the design, and look of the words on the 
the page is not like most books. And mm-hmm. so again, it's really inviting and just fun to dig into. It feels a little weird to write in it because it is such a beautiful book. And this was a conversation with the sisters uh, on the Sisters Book Club podcast, by the way. Uh, and they definitely encourage people to write in it and mm-hmm. make it their own. Don't be afraid that it's beautiful. Well, I do have to say that like Design for Belonging, the Kindle version is not that fun. Mm-hmm. And it seems like the quotes are, I can't decide, do they go with the page I just read or the new page? So the hard cover copy is definitely worth it. And it is so pretty. And like you said, it is a completely different reading experience. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so beyond just the physical book itself, I'm also, of course, inspired by its contents. And so the title is Atlas of the Heart, because it's really designed to be an atlas to help guide and map our journeys with emotional granularity, Mm -hmm. to have the language to understand ourselves and others. And so the book highlights 87 different emotions. They're thematically grouped into chapters and they each begin with this phrase, places we go when. So for example, there's a section that is the places we go when things don't go as planned. And it features emotions of boredom, disappointment, expectations, regret, discouragement, resignation, and frustration. And again, it's just this really unique book in its design and content. And I guess that's one of the reasons that it's been on my learning and inspiration list for a while now. Well, and I love, I think it was in the podcast or the HBO special that Brene says that shout out to the interns for helping with the design of the book. Mm -hmm. They were originally going to list those emotions alphabetically and they came up with this structure, which is so fantastic. I agree. I agree. So Catherine, what about you? Uh, Tell us, so what about Atlas of the Heart is inspiring you to learn? Well, it is exactly that structure for one thing that Mm -hmm. I am so attracted to as well. I am such a mood reader. So if I'm feeling disappointed, I can look to the chapter places we go when we fall short or Mm -hmm. places we go when we feel wronged and see if I can find a better understanding of my emotions. So that structure is fantastic. But the most important part that I am inspired by is this precision of language idea. Mm -hmm. I don't know why it has taken me so long for this idea to sink in because I think Brene has been the forefront of this for many years. And her book is all about the precision of language. If you're able to precisely articulate an emotion and there's a common understanding of that language, we can respond in more helpful and connected ways. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so Brene talks about our physical responses and how they're attached to our brain. So if we say we're anxious, that produces a different reaction than if we say we're excited. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Her story that she's shared in multiple places is the difference between overwhelmed and stressed. And she uses her experience as a server in a restaurant. She explains that in restaurant speak, when you're in the weeds, you need support and assistance. And that correlates to being stressed. Mm 
-hmm. But if you're blown, that's overwhelmed and you can't do anything. You're completely overcome by thoughts and your feelings. So if we use those emotions with more precision, I know how to respond to you as a friend, and then you'll know how to take care of yourself. So that's, that's so important. Yeah. And like you, I completely agree. Like, I don't know why it's taken so long for this to click. Mm -hmm. I think it's because it's such a small thing, but the way she has set it up, it's such a huge thing as well. And so just using that correct word, that emotional granularity really is impactful, even though it seems so small. Mm -hmm. Well, I think the precision of language really clicked for me when I was learning about burnout, Mm -hmm. speaking of episodes Mm -hmm. connecting Mm -hmm. to a previous episode. But I shared that burnout manifests itself in three different ways, but the most common understanding of burnout is exhaustion. So if we're only treating exhaustion, but I have the under challenge burnout, then those fixes may not apply to me or may not be Mm -hmm. helpful. And so that, again, that precision of language for how to treat that um, specific type of burnout is what mm-hmm. we need to focus on. I completely agree. And I think that's kind of the impetus for it clicking for me. Brene also uses this quote in all of the mediums that you can find this work in info um, that she attributes to Ludwig Wittgenstein that says, the limits of my language mean the limits of my mm-hmm. world. Mm-hmm. And that just speaks to the power of being able to name what we are experiencing and just know ourselves and others better. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. So let's get into more of the book. Since there are 87 emotions covered, <laughs> we can't cover them all, but let's just share one or two that have resonated with us. So Laura, go ahead and get started on that. Sure. I love that. Uh, I think I want to focus today on the section, the places we go when it's beyond us and specifically talk about curiosity and interest. And I think these have piqued my own interest uh, since they kind of intersect with learning. And so when I was reading this section, I found myself really just pausing and thinking about this. And like I said, this book is set up really nicely to drop in and out. And this was one of the sections that I read it. And then I was like, okay, I need to walk away Mm -hmm. and think about this for a while Mm -hmm. and then come back to, to learning more. And so she breaks these down by saying that curiosity is both a trait and a state. Mm -hmm. So you can be a curious person, but even if you don't have this as a personality trait, you can still feel curious about something in the moment. Uh, And so she explicitly says that curiosity involves both feeling and thinking. Mm -hmm. On the flip side, interest is a state. So it's not who we are, but it's how we are at a specific time. And it's really just thinking. So after breaking that down, she talks also about heart and head investments. And this is where my own thinking um, comes into play. So she says, with interest, our mind is open to seeing what's there. But with curiosity, we've acknowledged a gap in what we know or understand. And our heart and head are both invested in closing that gap. 
Mm. And so this makes me think about so many conversations that we've had, uh, even a couple of weeks ago, thinking about the learner-centered classroom, what we want for ourselves, for our students and learners. And I know I have used the words curiosity and interest interchangeably in the past, Mm -hmm. but really thinking about, okay, how do we spark curiosity? How do we get students interested and really thinking about these specifically with these broken down definitions is something that is really cooking in my brain right now. Ooh, I'm going to have to go back and dig into Mm -hmm. that section Mm -hmm. as well. And I have had that understanding of that gap between Mm -hmm. what you know and what you want to know. So Mm -hmm. I do understand that curiosity, but that differentiation between curiosity and interest is very interesting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm curious about it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Good, good job. Good job. Uh, so I'm going to give you one more thing here. She takes it a step further and because she's Brene Brown brings in vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And so she says, choosing to be curious is choosing to be vulnerable because it requires us to surrender to uncertainty. Mm-hmm. We have to ask questions, admit to not knowing risk being told that we shouldn't be asking and sometimes make discoveries that lead to discomfort. Ooh, Brene, always going back to vulnerability. Right, right. Well, and this makes me think about designing spaces for belonging and make sure that there is that space for vulnerability, but also for fostering curiosity. And just thinking about that with a little bit of a different spin um, has really given me, again, some pause, thinking about being a classroom teacher or someone who designs and facilitates learning for adults, um, really, really making space for that interest and curiosity. Hmm. Okay. I love that. And then the other thing I like that you pointed out is the difference between trait and state Mm -hmm. and finding those different emotions that could be both or one or the other. And that's, that's another um, curiosity that I would need to explore. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Okay. Well, what about you? Which of the 87 emotions are (laughs) speaking to you, Catherine? Of course, Brene has a discussion guide for Mm -hmm. Atlas. And the very first question asks, did any of the explanations of specific emotions or experiences surprise you? And if yes, what was surprising? And yes, the idea of nostalgia is one Mm. that was a huge surprise for me. And nostalgia is part of the chapter places we go when things aren't as they seemed. And I was a bit surprised to see nostalgia Mm -hmm. in that section. I think I have experienced nostalgia recently, or I, I know I've used the word several times in the last couple of months, and it was all in a positive way. Mm-hmm. I was in with family. We were in the small town where my dad grew up and I've spent mm. many summers. I was with friends from my previous district. And so seeing that group of people after a long absent brought back warm feelings. However, I learned that nostalgia has a harsh history and was first considered a medical disease and psychiatric disorder. Whoa. (laughs) And the nostalgia section in the book opens with a quote from historian Stephanie Kuntz, and she also appears in the HBO special, but she explained and Further, the examples in the book why nostalgia is a double-edged sword. According to one definition, 
feeling nostalgic puts ourselves at the center of the story Mm. where we're reminiscing about people, places, or events and personal healthy nostalgia can be good because it helps us recapture those same feelings in the present. Interesting. So here's where you're really going to say interesting. However, Stephanie warned us that this experience for you was not the same for everyone. And she challenges us to consider who was the event not for. Mm. So we need to do reality checks about what we have selectively remembered. Ooh, this is good. (laughs) If we're yearning for a past, that feeling can inhibit growth and protect those in power. Mm-hmm. So Brene relates this idea to social justice issues, but I'm also thinking about your recent episode about being ready for learner centered and how we must mm. mourn the loss of the system that created us. Uh, of course. <laughs> yeah. And so we constantly hear, Oh, let's get back to how things were pre pandemic. But Stephanie asked, who benefits from doing things the way we've always done it Mm. and who more importantly, who's left out of that conversation and was that experience good for everyone involved? Oh my goodness. This has given me lots of things to think about. Do you see why I have read this sporadically over several months? This this is another chapter to go, Hmm, I need to think about this and uh, come back to reading more later. Ooh. Okay. Very, very interesting. I am just really rethinking nostalgia and how I think about past events, but as we are both thinking, how can we transform learning now, this is at the forefront of my mind. Well, I think that question of just challenging us to consider who was this event not for Mm -hmm. is um, a really helpful Mm -hmm. reality check and something to keep um, at the forefront. Joseph, you said, as we're thinking about um, rethinking the way that we've always done Mm -hmm. things. Mm. Ooh, this is a good share. I don't think I've made it to that um, episode of the HBO series. And I feel like once we leave the podcast studio, that is next on my agenda. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, there is one more emotion out of the 87 (laughs) that I know we are both really excited to talk about. And so we're going to share breaking down this one. And so this is a very new to me word and it is Freudenfreude. I was very familiar with schadenfreude, Mm -hmm. which is taking pleasure in someone else's suffering. Mm -hmm. Brene mentions that this word gained popularity from the Simpsons episode in the nineties, which I probably saw live Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) and also shout out to Ted Lasso for having a schadenfreude free zone. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But Freudenfreude is the opposite, and it's the idea of enjoying another person's success. So soon after the Atlas of the Heart book was released, I heard Freudenfreude mentioned in Tina Bogren's podcast, mm-hmm. Self-Care for Educators, and one of her weekly invitations was to practice Freudenfreude. 
I love it. And our friend Juliana was also inspired by this. And I know she has mentioned wanting to start a Freud and Freud group where we just spend time celebrating each other, which really could also let's make a connection back Mm -hmm. to being a strategy to help diminish one of the components of burnout. And plus, what a cool club or group to be a part of. That will be a wonderful uh, way to alleviate some of those burnout tendencies, I think. (laughs) Absolutely. And in this section, Brene has two other words to kind of further clarify this, and they're really fun words as well. And so the first is shoy, S-H-O-Y, and it is intentionally sharing the joy of someone relating a success story by showing interest and asking follow-up questions. So thinking about decentering, uh, mm-hmm. really just mm-hmm. finding joy in that person's success and story and asking for more information. And then the second is bragitude. And so she says that this is intentionally tying words of gratitude toward the listener following the discussion of of a personal success. And so bragging with gratitude on your friend and their success. Uh, what a great practice. And again, what a fun word too. Well, I love this idea and I love those steps. So we have a concrete way for the practice of Freud and Freud. Mm-hmm. But then there was also one idea in Brene's book where she mentioned Abby Wambach's idea of the point and run. Abby was a gold medalist champion soccer player, and her strategy is whenever she made a goal, she first pointed to the player who assisted Mm. her or to the coach who called the play. And then if someone else makes a great play, she wanted to be the first person to run up and hug or high five that accomplishment. So practicing others successes Mm -hmm. and also acknowledging others have helped you along the way. I love that. I love that too. And I, I love that that is something that I think I have learned from you or do with you is saying, you know, shout out to this person or inspiration Mm -hmm. from this. And so uh, I love that. And I love point and run as well. Mm -hmm. This also makes me think of uh, a tweet that I caught a couple of months ago from Adam Grant that is talking about just this idea. He says, the simplest way to be a good friend is to be a loyal fan. And you root for their happiness like you rooted for Jim and Pam, Arya Stark or Harry, Hermione and Ron. (laughs) You cheer for their success like you cheer for your favorite sports team and you keep showing up even when they fail. Great quote. Thank you, Adam Grant. (laughs) Thank you, Adam Grant. Absolutely. I just love this concept of Freud and Freya. I'm glad that we both got to talk about it. And it has been fun sharing it with a couple of recent meetings and meetups. And so it's, it's such a good thing. And so I really hope to continue sharing it and cultivating it. And um, again, shout out to our friend Juliana, who wants to make a whole club out of it. <laughs> so we used this quote about connection to kind of launch our discussion. And I think it actually perfectly fits in with this concept of Freud and Freud too. So I'm going to say it once again, that connection is the energy that exists 
exists between people when they feel seen, heard, and valued, when they can give and receive without judgment, and when they derive sustenance and strength from the relationship. That quote can be used in so many different ways. So I'm glad it started and ended our discussion. Mm, I love it. And whenever you open your Etsy shop of great <laughs> quotes on pillows, please, add that please add this to your shop. Okay. <laughs> All right. And as you know, we want to use our episodes as a place to launch further thinking. We want to challenge each other to apply what we share as we consider now what? So now what? What are some of our next steps to incorporate ideas from Atlas of the Heart into our work or to further our learning? So Laura, start with you. Well, for me, I think I just want to continue learning and leaning into the once you know better, you do better Mm -hmm. thinking and just make sure that I am precisely and correctly using language and words. I also think I want to revisit the section that talks about compassion, since I have had so much fun talking about the book Compassionate Coaching this year Mm -hmm. uh, and see what connections I can make and bring to those trainings uh, as we think about coaching and existing with compassion. Mm -hmm. Well, the same idea for me, I really want to be careful with the language that I'm using. Mm -hmm. And the, the first one stop saying I'm overwhelmed unless I am at a complete stopping breaking point, can't do anything else. Mm. And then I think that this book really needs to have time to process and it needs to be read and discussed with others. So I think I'm going to also add to go back to the very beginning, model my learning on my Mm. summer slide, like want to talk about Atlas of the Heart. So if anyone sees that they can hopefully have a great conversation with me and Mm -hmm. we can, we can discuss ideas from the book. I love that. What a great way to model learning and continue that inspiration. And I feel inspired. Me too. Inspired to learn. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. And yeah, what a a truly inspiring and good season of conversations. And I'm so glad that we got to close it out with this shared inspiration and get to give some good shout outs to Brene Brown, but really share some of our learning from Atlas of the Heart. Well, I think it was a perfect way to wrap up the season. Absolutely. We'd also like to extend the invitation to you, dear listener, to share your ongoing story of learning as well. Take a moment to pause and think wherever you're listening from and consider what ideas have you heard today that have sparked your interest and inspired further learning about Atlas of the Heart. Remember to join us for this season's experiment and our dedication to transforming our thinking about professional learning. We know that seat time in a traditional session is not the only way to learn, and we continue to be inspired by conversations that shape and change our behaviors. So we want to honor this and alternative forms of PD. After listening to this episode or any of the others from both of our Inspire to Learn seasons, you are invited to complete a reflection form linked in the show notes to share what you've learned and how you plan to integrate the information. You'll then receive a certificate of credit for your thoughtful responses. You can also find us on Twitter at DigLearnRadio to continue the conversation and share your own learning that's inspiring you this week. 
This season, we've been sharing our learning and the things that have inspired us. We hope that our conversation and ideas have cultivated curiosity and inspired you to explore one of the resources, reflect on a question we've asked, or continue the conversation with us online. Reflect to consider the what, now what, and so what of your thinking. Share your learning inspirations and ideas from this episode and beyond. And as always, we are inspired to learn from Gail Allen and her work in the new pillars of modern teaching. She reminds us that when we share, we add a sentence to the story we communicate about ourselves to the world. Let's continue learning, sharing, and transforming. Let's get inspired.